Hey, this is Ross Payton with Roleplaying Bubble Radio. Uh, we're here interviewing James D'Amato uh, about Noisy Person Cards, a game that he is, uh, his first Kickstarter that he is launching, uh, which is a, uh, we'll let him tell you about it in a little bit, but we've actually played this uh, with at RPPR. In the end of this interview, I'll attach our recording of that actual play so you can get a sense of what the game uh, is like. Uh, but James, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, Ross. Thank you so much for having me on. I am James D'Amato of uh, the One Shot Podcast Network. So if you're into RPG podcasts and you talk about that online, you might have at least encountered us before. Uh, we do actual plays uh, sort of similar to role-playing public radio. But uh, today I am here as a game designer because me and my design partner, Kat Cool have put together a party game called Noisy Person Cards. And the basic point of this game is to encourage the people that play it to use character voices at the gaming table when they sit down to play role-playing games. Uh, both Kat and I love playing with voices because we think it makes the games a little bit more compelling, gets people further into their characters, and we know not everybody is comfortable playing like that. So we wanted to gamify a way for people to train themselves to do that. So if you're interested in using voices more at the table or you're already really good at it and you sort of want to hone your skills, uh, Noisy Person Cards is the project for you. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's it was uh, quite fun. We really got into the silly voice kind of aspect to it. Uh, in terms of the game mechanics, it's a very quick game to learn. We... we um, there's a free p uh, print and play version available on your website, uh, which I, I will link to in the show notes. Um, and are there going to be additional rules or any other new mechanics introduced in the deluxe, you know, uh, printed Kickstarter version? Yes, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we're actually working on in the social goals of the project is since we're sort of entering that Kickstarter like lull and doldrums, uh, we are <laughs> going to be introducing new rule sets as part of uh, social goals for the project. So people who have already backed uh, don't need to add any more money or anything to it. They just need to do things like talk about the game to unlock uh, new written ways to play. Uh, to explain the mechanics a little bit, uh, basically, it is the same as your basic apples to apples or cards against humanity setup. Uh, it takes place in rounds, and every round someone is a judge, and they will present the table with a character card, and the folks sitting around the table will have phrase cards in their hand that'll have like little pithy fantasy one-liners written on them, and you will ha try to match your phrase cards to the given character card. For instance, uh, you could have a, a kobold or a lich as the character card. You'd want to pick a good phrase card for it, and then you attempt to read that card aloud in the voice of the character that you've been presented with. The judge decides who was the best at it, and the rounds sort of progress from there. Uh, so we want to introduce uh, different elements of like using those cards. Uh, one of them, uh, because we wanted to make the mechanics a little bit more complicated than the regular uh, party game uh, mechanic. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are familiar with it. And if you're a gamer, uh, you're used to something like a little bit more rich and lush in your mechanics. So we developed something called the modifier or, uh, yeah, no, no, we called, we, we decided to call it the modifier. 
they're they're little uh, like descriptors uh, for characters, and they're on the bottom of every phrase card. So if you draw a skeleton as uh, your character card, and you go, well, a skeleton's kind of boring. You can look at your phrase cards for a descriptor that would change and make that skeleton a little bit more interesting. So you could apply a descriptor and make it an uncomfortably sexy skeleton, and then everybody at the table sort of has to deal with that new information, and it'll inform their character voice. And we use this mechanic for several different things in the game. Like if you are the judge and you just want to make it more interesting, you can apply the descriptor. Um, if you feel like you just can't do a voice that round for whatever reason, like if it is a skeleton and you're like, ah, I really can't do skeleton voices, I've never been able to do it, you can pass that round by applying a descriptor to the skeleton. So even though you're not participating in the round, you have made the round more interesting for everybody else. And finally, we use it as a tie-breaking mechanic. Uh, if you ha are the judge and you're trying to decide between two players who just did really, really good reads on what you put down, uh, they can start a duel. And each one of them will grab a descriptor from their own hand and add it to the card and any existing descriptors. And that will make it like a really complex, ridiculous voice. And the person who pulls it off the best wins. In one of our variant plays, you will pick a descriptor for your opponent and challenge them to do a more ridiculous voice than they would have picked for themselves. So we'll have a couple finicky rules like that that will be written into the final version of the game. If people unlock them, uh, they are not publicly announced uh, social goals because they're like uh, sort of hidden and I'm going to be challenging people each week with a new one. Uh, yeah, I'm looking on the Kickstarter right now, and you not only have social media stretch goals, you also have like uh, cryptograms, uh, and <laughs> that kind of thing. So that, that that's a very cool idea. Um, where wh what thing? Wh where did the idea for the game come from, and where why fantasy as a as the the genre? I mean, will I, I mean I see obviously this idea could be applied to a lot of different genres. Um, yes. The, was fantasy just because that's sort of like, you know, the lingua franca of tabletop gaming or... Exactly. Uh, we yeah. wanted it to be the most, like, the, the smallest barrier for entry into the tabletop world. And, like, the most popular role-playing games, like, the two biggest role-playing games in the world are fantasy role-playing. So, uh, for the first edition of this, like, we, we did start writing up cards that were for a ton of different genres, and... We got like halfway into it and we we're like, these are a lot of fun, but let's try to keep the voice for this game like really clear for the first run of it. And then in the future, we're going to do, you know, more like uh, sci-fi and like Shadowrun type things okay. uh, and like Cthulhu type things because, you know, you, you have to serve every audience. But we started with fantasy. Um, the idea actually came from another game that is also a Chicago-born party game called Utter Nonsense. And Utter Nonsense has a similar setup, except instead of being prompted by characters, you are prompted by accent cards. Uh, so it'll have like French or German on it, and it'll have a bunch of phrase cards that are sort of filled with words that sound funny in different accents. Uh, and both Kat and I really like uh, Utter Nonsense as a warm-up. It's a sort of thing that challenges people to stretch themselves and see what they can accomplish. And we found that the competition of that game made people really lean into doing voices that they normally wouldn't attempt. Uh, 
And even though Utter Nonsense is a lovely game, we just didn't feel like it translated to the role-playing mindset enough to just be a warm-up that you could confront any normal player with. Uh, and we also, like, there are some accents in that game that are, like, Indian or Japanese. And, like, it's yeah. some things that, like, you know, obviously you're playing the game, you decide what cards you want to use and what cards you don't want to use, but it, it's the sort of thing where not everybody is comfortable with that. So yeah. we wanted to move it to a territory where everybody's sort of comfortable because they're all fake. And so right. there's there's no way you can offend kobolds. Uh, this is true. Um, and I, 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 I see your point because I kind of I, I know when on our podcast, we've kind of like we are not going to try accents of various characters because we can't. <laughs> none of us are trained actors and can pull them off convincingly. And it, it just it detracts from the game, actually, if you, if you try to uh, do uh, do them, especially in darker like Call of Cthulhu games set in, you know, foreign countries or that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so ab- that, absolutely. That, that was a good call, I think, yeah. Um, and Thank it, you for that. <laughs> um, so you're not alone in that. Uh, I, I can see the dilemma. Um, and it's interesting. The rules you mentioned, uh, we actually did have uh, different players reacting. Um, like Caleb, for example, would always he, – he, 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 his idea was like, well, the passing is the obvious strategy. Well, you're not getting any points. I don't, I, I'm passing. That's, that's what the winners do, you know. Uh, <laughs> so he, well, because, yeah, you can yeah. be sort of like the god of your own world and just yeah. make your friends do whatever ridiculous voice you want them to do. <laughs> Uh, that was pretty much it, and uh, we did have a tiebreaker at the end. So, uh, in our little actual play, um, you will uh, get to see all these rules in play. Um, so, uh, after you and Kat got the idea for this, uh, what was sort of like the timeline in terms of like, hey, I have an idea to, hey, I'm about to push launch to this Kickstarter. Like, I mean, because this is your first Kickstarter, right? Right. This is our first Kickstarter. Um, so for us. The timeline is interesting. Uh, We encountered Utter Nonsense like around November of last year. Like not November, I'd say closer to October. Um, And October was a crazy month. Like I had like three or four live shows that month. But Kat and I are always in communication through Gchat. And just one day I sent Kat the idea like, hey, what if we did a role-playing themed version of Utter Nonsense? And Kat was like, yes. And coming up in November, we had a convention called Metatopia. And Metatopia, if you have never heard of it before, it is my favorite gaming convention of all time. Metatopia is a game convention for game designers. It's where game designers go to playtest their games. So if you're a game designer, you pay, I think it's like close to $100 for your badge. And you go and uh, the convention will schedule for you several play tests of whatever game you want to bring to the convention. And if you are not a game designer and you want to go to just check out new games, a badge is $10. So you can just show up and test out new designs from, you know, fledgling designers and your favorite designers of all time. And Kat and I, you know, we went, uh, our first year was 2014 And we've just been going since because it is such a great convention. So with like three weeks before this convention, we were like, I'll bet we can produce a working prototype of this game to take to Metatopia and see if people care about it at all. So in a weekend, we wrote up the print and play edition and like 
the edition that is up now for the free download is basically what we wrote. Uh, I think there have been a couple edits and there are still some uh, grammatical errors and whatnot in that, but it's all basically the same thing. Um, we did that in a weekend. We edited it the next weekend. We submitted it to Metatopia and we ran two play tests there and it was very warmly received. Uh, so from there we were like, okay, yeah, uh, we, we want to kickstart this. Let's, let's, uh, write out the rest of the rest of this game. Let's, uh, get it out there to Kickstarter, um, and, and, and show people this game. So we had originally planned to kickstart around January. And the reason that we did that, uh, for anybody who's contemplating doing a Kickstarter project, you want to kickstart something after, uh, the new year. For tax reasons, because if you are kickstarting a project and you are paying your taxes at the end of your fiscal year in December, uh, if you collect Kickstarter money in December, you will be taxed on all of that money before you have spent it all. So you can't write it off in the way that it needs to be written off. So you can actually do some damage to your business by like taking away a big chunk of your money from the outset. So well, if you're thinking of kickstarting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and there's also the practical thing of like if you do it in December and, or November or December, you're also competing with Christmas shopping, uh, which could, you know, uh, depending on yeah. your project, uh, damage your your potential uh, for a good projects. Or I mean, exactly. Your, your, yeah. So. Yeah. You, like you, you don't want you don't want to mess with that time of year. Like yeah. it's it's a it's a rough time. Everybody's spending their money in other places. So we were like, OK, let's do this in January. And we went through December. December was a, another crazy month of like traveling and seeing family. So no work really got done. Then we came back in January and we had to catch up on all of our recording and whatnot because we're working on one shot at the same time. Uh, so it came to February and February was when we were like, OK, let's sit down. Let's really power through this and work out the logistics for this project. Um, and we found out that. If we were going to kickstart, it was going to have to be in late March or, you know, in the middle of April. Uh, so we were like, okay, let's try and write this thing like we're going to launch in March and actually count on launching in April. So we wrote it, and uh, I will say it is easy to write 100 phrases for a project like this. It is easy to come up with 50 character cards and 100 descriptors for a project like this. It is really hard to do it for 500. <laughs> um, like the, the creative juice like stops flowing after a while. I, I'd say personally for this game, I wrote about 240 of the phrases of the 500 phrases that we include in the core set. And Kat wrote about 50 and the rest we farmed out to uh, contributors for one shot and like uh, other comedians and comic artists that we knew. Um so, like, the the writing of it, I, I'd say, even though it, it's hard to write 500, I'd say I had a blast writing it. And, you know, receiving and editing everybody else's stuff was so much fun, too. Uh, like, that that was a blast. And uh, then, obviously, getting the character art, I think, was the most fun. Uh, and Kat and I have, like, committed... <laughs> I have not been paid uh, for a good portion of my paycheck, for the last like four months because I have been fronting the money to get the character art out there and uh, get like most of the 
things that we need for the game, the vital components in place before the Kickstarter actually went up, because we didn't want to be one of those Kickstarters where we were like, hey, we have this idea. Will you give us the money to to make the idea? We wanted to go, hey, this product is ready to be produced. Will you allow us to get to the production line? So, uh, you know, we, we, we approached it in the very practical, let's make sure that this project is ready and going to happen before we went to the button. So you had, uh, I mean, it sounds like you're very fortunate that you had this whole network of people that had the skills you needed and were ready to create on a short demand um, on on a pretty regular basis. Uh, did you do the, the graphic? I mean, have you printed a card project before? Or I mean, uh, I have uh, not printed a card project before. Uh, the person that we have doing the graphic design for the project is named uh, Palomi Pratap. Mm-hmm. And she did a couple projects for one shot before that. Uh, we had as one of our Patreon rewards uh, a while back uh, versions of our Edge of the Empire characters written up for uh, Imperial Assault. And to do that, we had her lay it out on a card that looks like very similar to an Imperial Assault card. So it would be easy for people to like translate, translate those stats to the game that they're very familiar with playing. So uh, she did such stellar work for us before we were like, Hey, we're thinking of doing this bigger, more ambitious project. Will you get on board for it? And she has been fantastic to work with. And like, in the time that she's been working with us, we have been recommending her to all of our friends. And I know Jim McClure of the Talking Tabletop podcast is like uh, getting ready to launch a board game and he's hired her to do some work for it. So like Palomi is amazing and she does great work and delivered on like such short time frames for us. Uh, that, that, that's been a breeze. So like a lot of the more technical art focused aspects of the game that like would normally intimidate me were not something that I had to worry about. Um, and that that's the thing. Like, if you are somebody who has never laid anything out before, um, have no graphic design experience, it is so worth it to hire a designer or somebody to do layout for you because it looks better and you have less stress. Uh, I mean, that's, that's very true. Um, graphic design and uh, print publication are definitely not just something you can casually do uh it's uh especially when it comes to printing something like cards which have very specific requirements in order to not have the text run off or you know the colors <laughs> to to bleed over um so uh that sounds like i mean uh i guess the, the main lesson here is if you have a good network of people to to tap them uh i mean you have it looks like uh let's see eight separate writers for some of the these the, the, these writers were all people who just contributed phrases and descriptors, right? Right, right. And I like they, they did have a short time frame to deliver, but mm-hmm. they're also not doing an overwhelming amount of writing. Right. I'd, I'd say most people were delivering like two to three hundred words at most for us. Uh, like the the phrases for this game are one to two sentences. Uh, so I'd say the the biggest uh, delivery of cards that we got was from jordan and jordan sent over like 77 phrases uh which which was a lot and so everybody turned in like i'd say 20 to 50 phrases was average for people and then kat and i sorted through those and we decided what jokes worked and what jokes didn't and what could be rewritten 
Uh, so we sifted through those to get to our, you know, ultimate 500. Um, right. What kind of editorial like guidelines did you kind of develop when, when talking to other writers or, you know, working these phrases, was there a lot of revision? Was it like this works or there was a lot of revision. There was a lot of, it mostly happened with Kat and I in the same room. And the way we went through the phrases is I would read them aloud and then we would think about them. Uh, and we would we had like a red, yellow, green situation where like a phrase could pass or fail or it would become a yellow phrase, which means I would need to sit down with it and rewrite it. And I would often come back with like four or five different revisions or rephrases or like playing upon the same theme that the original author was working with. Um, so that like that ballooned our our phrase count too, because like, uh, I remember one person turned in a, a card that was, that started with dear demonic diary. And that was like such a brilliant concept for us. And we're like, this is this, this phrase, like the, the dear demonic diary phrase is okay. But dear demonic diary as a concept is so brilliant that we have to see where we can take it. So I think there are like three or four Dear Demonic Diary cards that just ended up in the final set because they were so much fun to write. <laughs> uh, did you have? Did you ever incorporate the other writers into that, or was that just like once you got the phrases, you 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 polished them, worked them over, and then they went in the the cards or not? Once we got the phrases, uh, we we worked them over and put them in. Uh, part of the reason for that is it cuts down on the chain of communication. You don't have sure. to email something off and then wait two or three days to get a response or like you know whatever it, whatever time it takes for creative people to do a thing that they need to do. Like we've all been there. We know what yeah. that's like. Uh, so we we did most of that revision. Um, a lot of the cards are a collaboration between our authors and Cat and I. Um, but you know given the opportunity like in the future i would definitely want to give people the opportunity to rewrite their own phrases though the one hesitation that i had about it is i didn't want to go back to somebody and say hey these phrases are no good like mm -hmm. it's a weird thing to do and a lot of the people who are contributing are are not just like professionals working in the industry they're they're professionals in the industry who are my friends Right. Uh, so I, I don't want to say like, I'm making a judgment on this, like this isn't funny or something like that, because all the ideas that we got are good. And most of the, the phrases that we rejected are because like, it's a little too inside baseball, or a lot of them were sort of meta references to role playing games. And we didn't want to lean too far meta because a lot of them are character cards and you want those character cards to be saying things that people would say in the world of whatever role-playing game you're working in. So like most of the rejected phrases and the rewrite phrases were something along those lines. Okay. So it just made the collaboration easier for us. Sure. I mean, uh, you were on, I mean, it sounds like you're on a very, uh, by Kickstarter project standards, a very quick timeline. Uh, I mean, especially compared to like uh, red markets, which has been in the work for years at this point. Well, that is such uh, yeah. an unfair comparison between the two because <laughs> red markets is a role playing game, like a yeah. role playing game compared to a party game. Like if you look at party games like Cards Against Humanity or Super Fight or Utter Nonsense, like how long really do you think it takes somebody to write something like that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. To them. It's, a, it's a different yeah. genre. Yeah, I mean that that that's that is a good point. Um, but uh, 
that's something you have to think about when you're a Kickstarter project runner is like, how, how much time do I want to have with collaboration when I'm working with these people? And like, how do I editor, how do I work professionally with somebody who's also a friend, you know, like again, like that, uh, this does, you know, how do you like, uh, we, we've talked about critiquing work, uh, on game designers workshop, uh, before. And like, how do you critique something that's actually useful? And you know, that, that kind of back and forth, it, it's a delicate, uh, issue and certainly something to be aware of when you're running a project. And the um, other thing, like the, the, the real thing about critiques is it takes a certain set of notes because that yeah. creator who sent that card to you, they think it's a good card. Like they, they wrote it up and right. they sent it to you because it's, it's good work on their end. And you as the edit, editor, you know what's wrong with it and they don't. So if you're going to send it to them, uh, to have them send it back to you, you need to be able to clearly explain why it needs to be revised so that you can give them a fair chance at coming back to you with another good concept. Yeah. Uh, and like there is a solution for that and I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so I opted to do our thing where we sort of reached in and collaborated with them and changed their words around. Okay. Uh, I mean, part of that, I guess, would be an initial sort of like, here's what I need from you kind of thing. But there's always going to be something that you overlook or forget. Um, and I, that, that, that's the, that's the only way I could see doing it. It's like, we, we, you know, you have to do this and this and this for cards and here are the example ones I've done. Uh, but yeah, there's always going to be some aspect of it. I think that you overlook. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But, uh, it, I guess this was your first time being an art director then too, uh, try or was it? I mean, in terms of like requesting, you know, commissioning artwork and like, here's what the artwork needs to be in terms of technical specs and or did, I guess the graphic designer uh, probably helped with that. Or, I mean, helped helped a little bit. Uh, the so Kat and I are avid comic book fans, um, and we go to conventions like all the time. C two E two is a big convention for us because it's in Chicago. It's easy to get to, and there are a lot of people there. My favorite thing to do at a comics convention is go to Artist Alley and commission things. I have all over my wall just a huge, uh, vast collection of original art that I've gotten from different comic book artists where you go to them with a concept and some cash and you go, hey, can you draw me this picture of uh, Blue Beetle saying this thing or doing this thing? And, you know, they'll come back to you with art. And the thing that I I love about doing those commissions is I am rarely, if ever, disappointed. Uh, I go to these people because I like what they have produced. And, you know, I, I like they have their entire body of work, like sitting in front of you in these little booths. Uh, so you you know who they are and, and what they're about. And you just sort of come to them with with something that that you would like to see uh, their vision applied to. So a lot of the art that we requested from people is Kat and I put together a list of people who mostly people who had guested on the one shot podcast before um, <clears throat> our, our show is like got a bunch of game designer guests, a bunch of improvisers and a bunch of comics artists because we just want to, you know, interact with comics artists. We love them so much. Uh, so we sat down for each artist and we're like, okay, what are their strengths as an artist? What do we want to see them do? And like one of the big ones that stands out to me is Jess Fink, who uh, is responsible for a comic called Chester 5000. Um, and a autobiographical comic called We Can Fix It that involves time travel. 
um she's a fantastically talented artist but she she's she is also an erotic cartoonist like a lot of her work is very sexual and explores relationships through sexual themes chester 5000 is about a scientist a brilliant scientist who is busy working all day so he can't see his wife so he builds her a robot to have sex with her while he is at work and it is about her adventures with the sexy robot um so she's a brilliant artist and we wanted to work with her on this so we asked her to draw for us a gender fluid succubus we wanted uh, something that could be, depending on how you look at it, a succubus or an incubus. But we knew we wanted it to be sexually attractive and we wanted people to impose their own gender on it. Like, whatever you want to see out of that is what you're supposed to get from it. And she knocked it out of the park. She did a great job. Um, is it basically David Bowie from Labyrinth? I mean, it's very <laughs> close because Jess is also a huge David Bowie fan. Um, okay. I, I don't know if that's one of the pieces that has been unlocked. It is not one of the unlocked pieces yet. Okay. So if you want to see that piece, <laughs> you will have to go after the social goals to get it. Oh, okay. um, it is like it, it was fantastic work. So we just like sat down, thought through the contributors that we had reached out to and went, what can they knock out of the park? And we were delighted by piece after piece. Okay. Uh, I mean, it sounds, yeah, I guess, uh, so have there been... It, any difficulties? It sounds like it's been going. It's been pretty smooth sailing so far. It's it a refreshing been, change for most Kickstarter projects that we uh, hear about. It has been pretty smooth sailing, at least like especially on the art front, uh, because we had very simple requests. Uh, because we knew we were doing this game that was going to be very simple. We just wanted inked line art from people. Mm -hmm. uh, which like, you know, most, uh, commissions that you get at a comic book convention, you can either request, uh, I would like this penciled, I would like this inked, or I would like this colored. And like pricing can also vary on how much, like whether you're getting a headshot bust or full body shot right. of somebody. Um, so for us, like inked line art is not the most expensive thing that you can ask for. And it's the easiest to scan and then make digital. Uh, and like because these people are mostly digital artists, a lot of them are just drawing it straight digital and sending it off. So for us, the turnaround time for a lot of this art was three weeks at the most. Um, and we were way ahead of the project. And really the project, a lot of it was like uh, hinging upon like which artists were going to be able to deliver when. Um so that has been very smooth for us. And I think if there are a lot of people out there going like, oh, man, I wish my Kickstarter ran this simply. I, I, my advice is design a simple game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you're designing a role playing game like we Kat and I collaborated on a role playing game before that we are still working on where mm -hmm. we initially envisioned ourselves having it ready for Kickstarter and public release within a year. And now I am laughing at that overly <laughs> optimistic past version of us. Uh, this game was really one of the reasons that we did it is we wanted to familiarize ourselves with the whole Kickstarter process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we wanted to know what worked and didn't work. So we designed a game that was easy for us to write, easy for other people to create art for, and easy for a graphic designer to put together. 
And the fact that it was fun too. I think, uh, I mean, your Metatopia experience, uh, sounds yeah. like that was kind of like, yes, this is the right decision to do. Yeah. If, if Metatopia had not worked out in the way that it did, it was a crazy experience. Like our first play test went pretty well. Like, uh, Playtests either generally go horrible or pretty okay. <laughs> uh, but the second playtest, like 10 people showed up at the table for it. And I, I really think this game works best when you're in a crowd of like five to 10 people. Mm-hmm. We were huddled around this table in the middle of this large auditorium with a ton of other board games testing at the same time. And like towards the middle of the game, everybody was like screaming and clapping and like laughing at each other. It filled the room. We were the loudest table in the room. And it was just like this sort of thing like, oh, my God, we have something cool on our hands here and that really lit a fire under us and you know we we were working so hard after that to put it out uh well i mean so this kind of became like a full-time job after that so that was probably uh <laughs> or am i wrong i mean where aside from I mean, working full-time job in, in that this is what i worked on during yeah. my day job yes yeah. <laughs> uh, like i i have a very a day job that allows me to stare at a computer for most of the day while not really having to pay attention to what i'm actually doing so i did write oh i really hope my none of my supervisors hear this <laughs> i did write a lot of this game while i was at work um but you know I, as a person, am working like 60 to 80 hours a week anyway because I go to work, I do my day job, and I come home and I work on one-shot stuff, and then I work on, you know, game design stuff. So I'm I'm always working. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, no. I, uh, yeah. The, you, the life you, you know. The, yeah, you know the, the life of the creative. I mean, uh, once you're done with work, we got more work for you to do. Yo, dog, I heard you like work. Um, yeah. But it's fun work. It is fun work. Uh, it is very uh, fulfilling and rewarding. Um, so once, once you get the project done, uh, assuming it, it completes, uh, right now you're a little over halfway over. Uh, I'm sure it will by the time uh, it's over. Uh, it's based very- on based on Kickstarter's numbers, since yeah. we hit thirty percent on day one, we have a ninety percent chance of funding. Yeah. So, like, it's it's pretty good. We we've got a good shot at uh, being where we need to be. I mean, usually projects that yeah, if they get at least that much in day one, the only reason they they fail is because like uh, there's it, it's revealed that they've committed fraud or something like that. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we stole uh, the artwork for our video game from another video game. You know, that kind of thing, so, which has happened in the past. But Oh, my God. Uh, oh, yeah. No, Kickstarter uh, produces some really amazing train wrecks, uh, if you ever studied that. But uh, that, that's a different topic. Uh, what um, are you planning? Do you, have you looked into distribution? Is this something you're going to try and send out to game stores? Or are you going to support it as like... I mean, obviously, Cards Against Humanity is sort of the 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 the, the gold standard of party games. But yeah, um, is this kind of a one and done deal, or I mean, what, what do you think? So it, it depends a lot on how the project does. Uh, we have built into it. There is a lot of cushion money floating around in that project, and we're going to see how much we need to produce it. Um, by by the end of the project, uh, but we we didn't want like the big thing that we didn't want is to be one of those projects that didn't ask for enough 
to try and incentivize to get more. So we are running a very conservative Kickstarter right now. We asked for 32000 because that is more than enough money and provides us profits uh, that will give us the flexibility to develop this project if uh, things seem to be going well. The the uh, distributor that we're hoping to work with, it's not 100% confirmed because they're technically not open to the public yet, is called Black Box. And Black Box is actually, uh, funny that you should mention, Cards Against Humanity. They are oh. the distributor that Cards Against Humanity has created. Um, I read an interview with their graphic designer, who is the person behind it. I forgot her name, but uh, yeah. she was talking about that. Uh, she, she is fantastic. Oh, God. I had a couple conversations with her, and I can't remember her name right now. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, Black Box is a company that is an offshoot of Cards Against Humanity, and they are a distributor, and the it's Carly. Her name is Carly. Um, they are a distributor uh, whose goal is to be the company that Cards Against Humanity wishes existed when they were first doing their project. Uh-huh. Um, essentially, they are a distributor who, uh, for Kickstarters, it's like a blessing. I can't wait until this is a publicly available product for people. They will tell you how much it costs to send your product to different places. Like that is the big thing. They, uh, because we're, we've got like, we're in Chicago and we know a lot of people who work at cards against humanity. We've been in contact with them throughout the development stage for our project. So before it actually went up, we uh, gave them the specs for our dummy box, which if you're still learning the wonderful world of printing, a dummy product is something that is the exact size and weight of your product. And you can use it to figure out things like shipping and distribution. Um, So we sent them the dimensions for our dummy box and they told us exactly how much money it was going to cost to ship to various places all over the world. Um, so they saved us a lot of guesswork. And like the, the big thing that sinks a lot of Kickstarters is distribution and not planning very well on how you're going to distribute. So for that consultancy service alone, they are a miracle for our industry. But Black Box takes things a little bit further. Uh, You basically, once you have finished with the printer, once the printer is like, okay, we've produced, you know, however many thousand units of your project, uh, where do we send it? You give them, you give Black Box the uh, backer survey information and tell your printer to ship to them and they will put it in their warehouses. Uh, And they will handle all of the fulfillment for you. And that is not just packing things up and shipping them off. That is also handling customer service when somebody, you know, emails you and says, hey, uh, my product arrived damaged or or broken or it's still not here. uh, Black Box will handle that for you and, and and handle the replacement of the product for you. And be the professional front-facing end of a distribution company that you need uh, as somebody who is creative and is wants to work on other shit. <laughs> so it's been like that. Th- that's a tremendous service, but uh, it actually goes even a little bit further than that because. Any extra boxes they will keep in their warehouses, and they will actually help you run your online store. So if 
it looks like we're going to be a hit. Like if it looks like there's a lot of interest in this project and we can develop it further, we can take some of that profit that, that we have built into our Kickstarter and we can apply it to producing more units and have that unit and have those units sit in the black box distribution warehouse and have them manage it. So when we want to continue selling the project, we can ask black box to just, you know, uh, set up the store and mail things out. Black box also helps us get in contact with people like game stores or like major uh, brick and mortar retail shops. Like uh, they are representing, oh goodness, they're representing a card they're representing Cards Against Humanity and Exploding Kittens. So if you see like Exploding Kittens in Walmart or Target, like there's a reason for that. It's because Black Box is handling that distribution. Uh, they they can get you into those places without you actually having to go through the effort of campaigning to have your product appear in that store. Uh, wow, if they already have those kind of contacts, yeah, that, that would be kind of the well, gold standard of distribution. They're cards uh, against humanity, goddammit. <laughs> well, all right, fair point. Uh, so Black Box is, uh, I guess, that it's not available for everyone yet? They're, they're still Not yet. Uh, they are talking about June as okay. a sort of soft launch with a specific client list, but they do want to open up, you know, to everyone. Okay. So I'd say... Either this year or next year, this is going to be an option. And like this, this if you're if you've done a Kickstarter, you're listening to this. Like you know, this changes everything. Like yeah. we were looking at the Kickstarter process before we knew about this. Going as a podcaster, like I know I have the audience. I know if I did want to produce a game, I could probably put one out. But how on earth am I going to do that? And it's like, oh, that that's how I do it. There's a solution right there. Yeah. Uh, no, the, I mean, that's one of the things we've been uh, talking uh, about a lot for Red Markets uh, is looking at very opti- uh, We're obvi- uh Caleb is obviously going to be using uh, drive-thru RPG uh, print-on-demand for of course, yeah. the moment because that's pretty much the way to go for a uh, tabletop role-playing game um, just because of shipping. Uh, like when I did Base Raiders uh, back in 2013, um, I, I did the Kickstarter in 2013, but then I ship them the in 2014 and shipping rates cha- went up you know oh, at the beginning God. of the year in 2014 so i kind of ate some costs in that but, oh what a nightmare yeah yeah, yeah like that <laughs> plus i had to mail out several hundred books <laughs> yeah that like that takes time and yeah. you're you're a podcaster not not only that you're a creative person like yeah. you could spend that time designing a new game yeah. um yeah and like we are still using drive through cards uh one of the social goal things that we've baked into the Kickstarter is expansions to the game. Uh, But we didn't want to do add-on expansions where we would have to print them as part of the core set. So what we decided to do is make our expansions uh, available upon uh, release of NPC. So when NPC is ready to ship out to everybody, we are going to have for print-on-demand on drive through cards, if people manage to unlock them, mm-hmm. these social goal expansions. So, like, if, if we fail at this Kickstarter, you know, it might be a thing where I just go, okay, what we're going to have to do is figure out a way to pay Palomi um, eat those costs up front and just put it on drive through cards and do it that way. Uh, mm. cause 
print on demand print on demand is like saving the role-playing industry <laughs> no it's 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 tremendously useful i mean just trying to guess audience demand and dealing with international shipping is just kind of a nightmare and uh no one wants to warehouse thousands of books in their you know uh garage or whatever so uh yeah no it's uh definitely useful um it's so once once you finish this project though uh is your next obviously this is thinking way way ahead because even if this goes off miraculously you'll you'll this sounds like this will be the rest of the year for you or quite quite a big chunk it's, yeah this is going to be a couple months right now our yeah. projected shipping date is going to be november yeah so they'll be arriving just before the holidays uh we really wanted gen con but uh we just could not get it together for that yeah. um <laughs> Uh, but what, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what do you think is going to be the next project for uh, Paracosm Press, which is the uh, name, the imprint name you're using for for this publication? Is it going to be that role playing game you're talking about, or do you have another card game in mind? It depends. I mean, the role playing game that we were discussing, which is called Epiphany, uh, it's something that we took it to Metatopia last year, and it was very much the opposite of Noisy Person cards in that. We realized it just had a lot more problems than we thought it did initially, and mm. Kat told me that she had never been a fan of the core mechanic. So, like, when the core of the game is a problem for one of the designers of the game, who is like one of the only people that I know that is deeply interested in the subject matter that we picked, you know, you need to reconsider what you're doing. Uh so if we come up with a brilliant new core mechanic in that time, like we might push forward with Epiphany, but uh, what we really want to focus on uh, with our designs over at Paracosm is games that welcome people into gaming. That's why we're doing the one-shot podcast. Uh, the concept of our show is we wanted to show people that uh, role-playing games were more than just D&D, so we do one-shots in different role-playing systems because we want to expand the hobby and you know expand the scope of what it means to role-play. So with games like this, you know, we're trying to produce noisy person cards to make it that much easier for somebody who's never played a role-playing game to approach it. Like one of the big things that people have a problem with in role-playing is actually role-playing. And if you've played noisy person cards, you know how to talk in a character. And that's a huge hurdle out of the way to approach games. So we want to gamify the process of learning how to enjoy role-playing games. Uh, and we also want to expand the scope for existing gamers. Like we want to challenge and and push for new ways of playing and have people step outside their comfort zones. So there are a couple projects that Kat and I are turning over in our heads as for what we want to do next. Uh they are like one is noisy person scenes or uh, NP scenes, as we've <laughs> decided to call it, which is uh, basically an improv exercise. And it will be building off of the pulling out and portraying random characters aspect. But it's mm -hmm. going to be baking in a lot more of what I learned as an improviser in Second City and I.O. Uh, and teaching people how to use those techniques Uh we also have been uh, toying with the idea of putting out a new book of erotic fantasy. Uh, 
Kat and I are pretty big fans of romantic uh, relationships in role-playing games. Mm -hmm. And it's like a huge taboo for people. Uh, It's like one thing, romance shows up in literally almost every single story that we tell everywhere. Like, you can't have a goddamn action movie without having some romance subplot tacked onto it. Every superhero movie has some romance subplot tacked onto it. So... It's crazy to me that it doesn't show up in our role-playing games, and we sort of want to break that down and make it more approachable for people. Very very much uh, similar to, I think it's Sex in the Ninth World or something like that that came out from Monty Cook recently. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Book uh, of Arena, Arena, was a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, or is the si- system you're talking for. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Numenera supplement. Yeah. Uh, but like Book of Erotic Fantasy, like I think we can all agree was terrible. And yeah. it's like it has a lot of bad, toxic advice and it reinforces a lot of things that are bad about the hobby. And like if Book of Erotic Fantasy is the only supplement that even approaches sex and romance in games that you know about, you have every excuse to never want to include it sure. in what you're doing. So we we kind of want to produce something that is, you know, hey, this this isn't terrible. And like you can actually use this in your game to make it more interesting and teach people how to expand and protect their comfort zones as they play. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of things that we could end up doing. <laughs> Uh yeah, I mean that that those are really uh insightful points uh about like the difference between, you know, fiction and uh role playing games. Um and there have there has started to been sort of like, hey, we should look at this. Like I do know there are a couple romantic focused role playing games out there now. Um Monster Hearts and Polaris come to mind and then even in uh, Apocalypse World they have relationship mechanics. Um and so it's starting to come forth, but I, uh, certainly I, I, I think the only game that may, may, may be king of relationships or romance right now is Monster Hearts, which is very much, you know, a high school focus kind of thing where it's about, you know, young teenage monsters in love, which is not necessarily like the be all end all of that kind of genre. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So. I mean, like there are also designs by Emily care boss. Like I, yeah. she is like the designer of romance in, in my eyes. And you know, she did like shooting the moon, which is about like those romantic rivalries in fiction and sort of mm-hmm. how they develop. Like there are romance games out there, but they are so far from the mainstream sure. that, uh, you know, it, it, it's like something that I don't think like, I don't think people think of bringing it in. Like the only context you hear about it is like when two people who are already dating have their characters date in a game and it's right. insufferable for everyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it, it is a challenge. I mean, there are a lot of, uh, I mean, it's sort of like the differences, like the, the average role playing game, it has to be about a troop of characters that do something together uh, because otherwise, why are you inviting four to, you know, two to four people or even more people to your house to, to, to play a game if they're all doing their own separate thing. Uh, right. So right. That, that's it's, it's uh, interesting. It is an interesting design space. Uh, and I look forward to seeing it that if that is indeed your next project. Um, so, um, but I think uh, unless there's anything else you want to add about noisy person cards, we will uh, in the interview now, so we can begin the actual play of Noisy Person Cards and uh, learn Caleb's pro strat, uh, pro strategy of uh, always uh, 
uh, adding descriptors on, uh, <laughs> which didn't get him any points, but he keeps swearing that it was the best. Yeah, you, you uh, don't need move. points to win the game. <laughs> uh, this has been Ross Bates, role playing uh, public radio. Uh, thank you, James. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Ross, thank uh, you so much. Anyways. Hey, Josh Payne, Roblin Bob Radio. We're playing Noisy Person Cards. Uh, this is a game, card game that's being kickstarted uh, fairly soon uh, by people from the One Shot Podcast, uh, James Tomato. Uh, that's all. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be judged because I read the rules first. <laughs> so, Fine. And I, I cut out the card, so uh, whoever wins this first round gets to become judged. So uh, there, there, there is that. Is it a power uh, we want? <laughs> Uh, it's you get to say who wins and who loses. So that's pretty good. Uh, I want to decide who lives and who dies. All right. So uh, first off, the character you're all going to be doing is a school kid, but I am going to use one of the rules to up the ante, um, which means I get to add a descriptor to it. Okay. Uh, so let me look. I mean, look at my card uh, Let's see here. Uh, uh, oh. Well, uh, speaking of that, I'll use the one that I previously talked about. A pretentious school kid. <laughs> um, so basically, we'll go clockwise. Um, so, all right, we'll just start with our, my left. Uh, Sean, yes. Uh, pick one of your phrases and then give us your best pretentious school kid. Or if you want to pass, you can add another descriptor to it, but then you don't win the round. So, you know, it's a true dilemma. Okay, so again, I just quote it exactly because it's yes, that's like the it. line you have to give a reading for. It's like an audition for pretentious school okay, kid. Wow, yeah. me. <laughs> so it's a little like Channel A. Yeah, a little like Channel A, a little like Super Fight. And I'm like, I would love your job. You try and think of an original allegorical riddle every time some cherkwad decides he wants to be immortal. All right, fairly pretentious, I have to say. Okay, so I'll put your card face up. Uh, just yeah, so we know <coughs> to use it because you'll discard it at the end of the round. Okay. Uh, Aaron. So, see if I can do this. So Pretentious. I know. Can you do so, that? We all have a magical destiny. Steve was orphaned by race. I have a crown shaped birthmark. I don't care who you are. You're not getting into this club wearing those shoes. <laughs> that was not the quote people, oh. by the way. That was not, that was just Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> when have I been catty about people's shoes? Well <laughs> uh, David. Uh, speaking of cat. No, sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, see, there it begins. All right. Wow. Um. <laughs> Nothing like a life of adventure on the high seas to make you reconsider your choices. What was so bad about scribing that it made me run away from home? <laughs> Very good. I like All right, this will be a tough round to judge. Anyways, Tom. <laughs> Sure, when you sew bodies back together, it's called stitches. But when I do, it's called necromancy. Good <laughs> 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 Yeah, they're good lines. It's, it's a very it, it obviously got a D and D kind of feel to the lines. But uh, anyways, yeah, Faust, your turn. Everyone around here is so boring. I mean, sure, who doesn't love laying waste to villages? But does no one else enjoy a good opera? <laughs> <laughs> that was good, like buffo boss. I know. Yeah, yeah, that was Winchesterian. I was going to say the. Yeah, the I don't want to of, compete against that. The, the, the choice of line was. Uh, good. Fuck, we have to go against so. the voice actor. This, this is bullshit. Yeah, we, <laughs> the, the deck is stacked. <laughs> I would say for next round, if you want to, if you know you want to pass, if you don't have something in the line, you can just say pass, so everyone else will have to deal with two. So we're just gonna give. 
Just go ahead and give me your give Faust five adjectives to choke on. We can do I'll this. I'll do it. No, I'll shoulder the burden. We can, we can do that as like, like, Come on. like uh, he sounded pretty poor scene, but I don't think he was enamored enough. Well, you gotta enamored try. enough. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, anyone who's taken ranks in psionics, raise my hand. <laughs> That's the best line. That is the, that is the best line. That's a great line. Uh, but I, I have to give it to Faust. Yeah! Uh, he yeah. Is, he is a joke. That was good. All right, so Faust, um, you're joking. You put all your uh, used cards in the upright uh, and then draw one more card. Okay. Uh, and then Faust, here. you... Yeah. Uh, and give me one card, please, because I used one for my... You get the fancy cards now. Yeah. yeah. Here. Oh, wait. I put all of my cards in. <laughs> well, you, you no, no, those, these are the fancy cards. Okay. So you need seven skills. You need a card. Playtesting. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but we are using, you know, pronouns from a yeah. <laughs> printer, not like. It's why you I... should back the Kickstarter. Yeah, it's why you should back the Kickstarter. <laughs> the cards will not just be printed out. Alright, so. Be beautiful. <laughs> now, you don't have to put a descriptor on the uh, thing. If I want to. Oh. I want to see you dance, puppets! <laughs> are we getting two now? No, you can, he can only do one. Okay, you have to give up your turn to add more than one. I draw one of these. That's your. That's the character right. that you're doing. It. I draw you can add one descriptor to it. All right, angel. Uh, and you are going. Oh no! <laughs> this isn't going to end well. Um. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. Uh, all right. You know what? Here, you're going to be playing an uncomfortably sexy angel. <laughs> <laughs> So uncomfortable for us, us or uncomfortable for people them. around us? I'll let us. you decide. I'll let you decide. But the thing is, is that angels do not exist. <laughs> I pass uncomfortably sexy <laughs> equine. <laughs> <laughs> is this turning into like, what was the name of that? This Bar- is totally <laughs> worth losing. Is this turning into Barracosa from... Uh, Alright, so am I up first? Yes. Yeah, so some of us have to be Daniel Rules question. Oh, oh can I pass... Every turn. <laughs> You'll never win. Yes, you can. You're just being sadistic. You can read the rules if you want to help. I'm having fun with the game. Yeah, no, hey. That means it Emergent works. play, Sean. No, no, no. I'm not walking. I'm just like, you can't win, but then again, you're having fun. Oh, that's a cute butt. Have you seen it? I assure you, it is very cute. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I figured that was uncomfortable and uh, equine. Yeah. That was very uncomfortable <laughs> and equine. I tried. <sighs> oh. I, I, gotta put, I gotta put a good line for this, actually. That was kind of the hard part, but... It's not about it. the line, it's about the acting. It's about the emotion. Exactly. The line you can make any line okay? I almost want to just pass, but just to, just to screw it's everybody. Too late, the passing round's done. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. I thought it was only on your turn. No, you can do it at, at, as many times as you want. <laughs> I get to skip that, yeah. There's no limit to how many descriptors can be placed on the character. <laughs> yes. I will make this even more uncomfortable. Great. With Enamored. An uncomfortably sexy equine enamored angel. Oh no! I don't think <laughs> depending I, on the order in which you read those, I, words. I don't think much reading would have changed. Yeah, 
This is some this is some method shit. <laughs> all right, there's Aaron. a lot. There's a lot of subtext. You missed all, right, all right, Angel. All right, Aaron. Equine Angel. Uh, enamored. And he had an enamored. Uncomfortably sexy. Uncomfortably uh, uh, sexy. And I'll, I'll let you decide whether or not it's enamored with you or the equine. Well, mine is clearly enamored with John. Yes. Well, it does it, have a cute I, butt. I assumed it was yes. an equine, an equine enamored angel, but it's a horse. Could it's, it's it's left purposely ambiguous. Yeah. It could be one of those people that likes to put on the weird. However, the can, can you rearrange? Like, can you rearrange Evers? Could Can the uncomfortably sexy angel be enamored with, with a horse? horse? Yeah, yeah that's, see, that's what I read it as. <laughs> but then it wouldn't be equine. The, it, the horse, unless the horse, the horse like factors in, yeah, like a know. horse man. So a horse <laughs> angel centaur. Yeah, I don't know. Horse centaur. I think angel centaur. You can't see me pretending to claw a hoof at the. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. So enamored. It's like Andy Circus. He needs to physically inhabit the role. Yeah. <laughs> do we need to move some ping pong balls on him? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's see how he does. I do this. Nobody asked me to dress like this. They begged me. It makes me feel like a sexy force of nature, so you can leave your hangups at the door. <laughs> He, I mean, he tried a little hard. <laughs> I think the lady doth protest too much. <laughs> so maybe that's... I, no, I, I, I give it to you. I mean, there wasn't much equine. Sorry. Other than that, though. Clop, 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 clop. There you go. There you go. <laughs> think Mr. Ed. You know. Mr. or Mrs. So Ed. So I have to talk like this there while I'm a horse that's being given peanut butter to replicate vocal... Payton, there's a different way to do equine. Because technically, unicorns are Oh, no! <laughs> and the meta play comes back. Oh, it's like my mom always said. You can lead a barbarian to war, but you can't make it stop killing people once she's raging. <laughs> oh. oh, God. <laughs> no. That was uncomfortable. Yeah. That, that was very bad, Tush. Um, well done. Oh. Y'all move, Mr. Church. Uh, all right, I mean... Like, like, Anita just got one of those cute new rounded horses with the flower face built in. Tom is really, he is really. That's Tom's other persona. Um, <laughs> what, number 7580? Yeah. It's method. I gotta give it to Tom. It's <laughs> a good line pick. It is. I, I really yeah. do think the lines can make or break any of this because so he gets he gets a card plus three now, right? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Dunk up. And then here you go. Here so you draw back up. Cool right? Yeah, draw back up to give me one. Hold on. Uh, I already saw that one, so I one I did not see. I want to this one. Whoa. You see, I commit. C O M M I T T T T T T. All right, Tom. What character do we get to play? The ocean. <laughs> Any descriptor? Or you can add one descriptor to it. <laughs> what kind of ocean is that? From one my deck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one from your hand that says it'll have a little descriptor. <clears throat> okay, it's going to be a buff ocean. <laughs> yeah, but buff, do we mean like brunch? Or, or, or just like... Or again, it's up to the brunch? actor, all right? You're, you're the little actor whore. You do it. Wow. Uh, hmm. All right, you know what? The ocean seems soft. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the Caleb strat on this one. <laughs> Wait, I'm passing first. <laughs> no, I'm passing first. <laughs> <laughs> Clockwise, <David. laughs> 
Uh, Alright, here we go. A combative buff ocean. This is an ocean you do not want to fuck with. Yeah. Mm. Work. It's so cool. Alright, Caleb. Uh, a pubescent combative <laughs> buff. So like a so lake. A jump. <laughs> so you wait, jock ocean. Alright, you pansies, I'm gonna do this. Uh, uh, <laughs> Alright, so uh, buff Combative. 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 All right. Pubescent. Pubescent. Ocean. Pubescent. Ocean. Ocean. Teenaged bro ocean. Oh, God. The brocean. <laughs> the brocean. The teen brocean. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I can make my voice crack uh, in the middle of it. Um, it, it always cracks. Sometimes they're just awkward. Idiots. I'm trying. All right. I'm trying. <laughs> oh, chain. <laughs> yeah, you gotta... Exactly. You gotta get into your space. You're too late. The princess is another castle. His lease inspired. Expired, man. Let me get you the forwarding address. Uh, dude. <laughs> All right. Uh, I good at, like, nice yeah. um, I honestly don't know how to play it. How, how do you? Pass. Pass. I don't know. Get <laughs> there. Okay. Oh. Like I, I think it would be Poseidon, so it would be like a deeper voice, possibly. But no, what? It's pubescent. That's the thing. That's that's how you balance. So okay, teenage, has to be okay teenage Poseidon. <laughs> and that's why you pass as soon as you can. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> pass it. Pass! Rolf is powers active. <laughs> but you'll never be a judge. <laughs> Let's start off now. Right. <laughs> oh, I gotta get paid. <sighs> Your god is so great. And why do neutral evil things happen to chaotic good people. Okay. Okay. Hold on. It's very Keanu. <laughs> like Aaron's painting himself blue and hosing himself down to get into character. <laughs> Aaron, keep your pants on. Pants I, I'm not on for the game, Aaron. Get some board shorts. <laughs> I'm not. I know. Catch a wave. That's not happening. Hawaii 5 <laughs> uh, Go on, Aaron. Inquiring minds. Inquiring minds want to know. Do a shotgun. Shaka. Exactly. See? Shaka, bro. Oh, shocker. Okay. No, no, no. Not Shaka. Shaka. It's like the. Yeah. It's a greeting they do in Hawaii. Hang loose. Yeah, exactly. Uh See? Which you don't want to swing it the other way because that's let it all hang out. Yeah. Oh, no. And that's Jay. It's sound language. See, now now you've done your research for the wrong. Okay. Oh. What do you Ah. I'm just pretty good competitive. Aaron, just pass. Let's go back to this. Pass. Just the guy down the line. <laughs> exactly. It's the American way. Uh, does it circle if like everyone passes, or what happens? <laughs> I think at least one person. All right. Um, if everybody passes, then whoever yeah, wins, well, yeah, it's win. Don't have there. to worry about it at this point because so far Ross has already played. So <clears> That's true. Let's pass. And Sean. Yeah. All right. And Sean. Played, yeah. Yeah. Sean. I'm good. This high armor doesn't give me any bonuses to sneak. False advertising. I want my money back. Get me Bassett down. That was very good. That was very prepubescent. Is it prepubescent or prepubescent? Why does the ocean want high armor? Look, man. I got my own reasons, man. You want to fight on it? I'll fight shark high. All right. It could be shark Everything except the ocean. So I mean, you know. Anyway, y'all do. Yes. Feel free to trample your giant awful boots all over my enchanted glen. <laughs> Not like I spent hours painstakingly placing dewdrops on every blade of grass. 
<laughs> a little more Chris Farley, but uh, I like it. Yeah. You got dude drops in there. Yeah. In the I'm not judging this, so you know I can't say. Where did this commentary? Come mm. Oh yeah. What's up to what time? do you decree, Judge? I gotta go with Sean. Okay. Okay. Because he wants me to probably do something horrible with you. So do I? Okay. I, I keep. It's not this whole stack. No, you only get the ones that are underneath. Okay, the so I get those. All right. And I hold on to those. I guess yeah. over here. Can I pass you? <laughs> Not Caleb, you should yeah. try it. Actually, one. Caleb, the only, I have tried at least one. The only person okay. you can screw is Ross. So go by all means, go for it. Um, okay, so I draw back up, right? Uh, you draw back up to seven, Sean, and then you draw one of the cards. Talk him out of oh, it, uh, and here you go. Why? Out of it. Here's Why? the special deck. I feel special. It's, it's the character deck. It's not special. I mean, it's, it's, well, okay. I feel special. Okay. It's special. Okay. All right, so you don't have to apply descriptors. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting descriptors on it. <laughs> what? Do right. something about it. I thought, I'm just saying, that's an option in the rules. You can't pass, Ross. <laughs> You're trapped. <laughs> no matter how many we put on it, you have to at least try. <laughs> oh, no, I'll try. I will try. So, so, to, so to note, another part of the game is when you're picking a descriptor, you got to decide, is the descriptor better, or do I want to keep that line? So. Well, that, that it, it is a challenge. Yeah. You say it's layers of Inside layers. the uh, actor, actor studio. Ah. There's a lot of layers to this. I think regardless of whoever wins, we should have uh, someone who hasn't been judged before being next. It's a good idea. Um, so just so everyone can be a judge at least once. Yeah. A sardonic satyr. A sardonic satyr. Ah, oh, dude, that's just refresh like, my memory. That's a what is ball sardonic? For, that's like a softball for Caleb. Secret of <laughs> sardonic. <laughs> All right, let's see. <laughs> no, it's like sarcastic and patronizing. Is it? Okay. I got yeah, that. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> exactly. There you go. Okay, <laughs> and that's it. That's it. So. <sighs> You're up there. I know. Batter up. You can screw everybody else. It's always fun. <laughs> Get that shit rolling fast. <laughs> Almost had a temper too. Not even on there. So, you know what? Screw this. Let's go. <laughs> you don't need victory. The only victory is knowing you screwed somebody else. That's called a pyrrhic victory. Let's go with a tipsy sardonic satyr. A tipsy? Ooh, that's actually a lot better. Uh-huh. I like it. And and by regular terms, he's always... characters in Frasier at this point. Yeah. Because <laughs> you really don't know what to do with that toss out there. You've just been drinking too much. They're, they're bitter at life. And he's a satyr. So well, the satyr's the Kelsey Grammer with hairy legs. Hairier legs. <laughs> it was about to say... Does he still crash from helicopters? Whoa. <laughs> I'm going to toss this coin in the air. When it hits the ground, you're going to be dead or out of my sight. Choose wisely. All right. A little bit Sean Connery in there, I think. <laughs> Which I think manages tipsy fairly well. <laughs> yeah. Granted. <sighs> okay. Cool. <clears throat> but do you have... Like, do you have any... Right, medicine. I can't tell if this is a migraine or a psionic attack. <laughs> is that tipsy or plowed? Um, it depends on your point of view. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, disarm the trap. I heard alarm the trap. Sorry. You have to admit, though, we know exactly where that trap fell. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's like, wow. <laughs> the, the deck is stacked. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's what? Bastard. Are you actually going to try? I'll try. 
guy. This is like your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. He, he might not see and start talking. I'm he not might, passing. Huh? He might not I'm never part. passing. <laughs> I shall never pass. Either. Yay! You can count on you my You shall not pass? <laughs> All right. I shall not pass. When I said lifetime supply of poison, I meant one dose of poison. It's not my fault you have a high con. <laughs> wow. That's a good line. Actually, that was a fantastic one. Uh, Alright, so... <coughs> I really should have had a couple of beers for this. Uh, <laughs> Next time. Blessings be upon you. May you... Always have enough money to pay your rent on time. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a dick satter. <laughs> yeah, it is. The money boat. Wow, wow, no, they're, they're all good ones. Well, uh, I'm kind of torn. Yeah. Uh, man. So, partially from a little bit from meta, but also because I really actually did. I, I'm going to give this one to Caleb. Nice. Uh, it's it, a wheelhouse. It, 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 Wait, it, now it, I can't pass? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! You get to The fate worse than death. You get to start us off with a bad one. I know, but it's not nearly as fun as passing. <laughs> Put you on there. I've never played a game where it's so fun to skip a turn. <laughs> I didn't look. Boom! You need to do that. Alright, his heart killed. Uh, did you pick a thing? Character? Yes. Right. And now I'm looking for a card. I'm gonna exploit the fact that this one was cut poorly. What? Wow. That's not really. <laughs> well, common. that's your fault. <laughs> uh -oh. A Muppet magical trickster. <laughs> hey, Aaron! Uh, Muppet okay. magical trickster. Alright. Okay. So like Loki, if he was a puppet. <laughs> People tell you that you don't want to know the date of your own death. And they're right. It's awful. <laughs> I like it. Nice. But you made the first mistake that you didn't pass. <laughs> and make it harder for Sean. See, I'm the yin to your yang. Yeah. You always pass. Sean, like make a better choice. <laughs> well, ruin Aaron's day. I don't know. What would ruin Aaron's day more? Outperforming him? Or oh, no. Oh, okay. Now it's wow. competitive. I'm, I'm just yeah. stepping back. I'm not sure if I can do a fox I almost want to do a bad accent. I think I'm going to do a bad accent with this one. Accent. Yes. Because it'll fit with the Muppet thing, too. <laughs> <clears throat> Alright. Oh, no! I saw the whole thing, officer! No, really! The big guy hit the little guy, and then the little guy transformed into a bear! And threw a bear at the dead guy! Victim of his crime! Is that Muppet enough? Yeah. Got real punch and Judy real fast. Aaron, you're not doing it right. You should pass. Damn it, Caleb. Or go full frame. Actually, no, you should pass. From a game design point of view, game theory, it's better for everyone. After we do a round for everybody as judge, I want to do one round where everyone passes except one person. The last person has to do it. Yeah, exactly. If you freak me, do I not bleed? Well, I don't actually. The metaphor works better when I have skin. The point is, I have feelings. That is 
Sorry, my voice is really rough today. <laughs> no, I like to believe Kermit's just <laughs> yeah, exactly. manipulating everything behind the scenes. And that he used to have skin. <laughs> oh, I would say he has strings, but we know that's not true. <laughs> oh, I was... Hey, sorry! That fireball was maximized! So you're actually dead! Got <laughs> 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 <It's kind> dark! <laughs> you said magical trickster. I did. Yeah. Elmo is a magical trickster. You're a Elmo don't like fire! Oh my god! So so why, why didn't you go Elmo? Yeah. <laughs> or right. better yet, pass! Right now that actually kind of hurts. Uh, so. Okay, I guess. See, then, then you should pass. Like, Alright, so it's me. <laughs> If if, if my job were easy, this place would not be literally made out of bones. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great line. That's an instant win line right there. Man, there's no point in passing now. You can't. I can't. You're in the no pass position. That's terrible. No pass. How did this happen? You're in pole position. (laughs) All right. And I said to myself, Corvette, that tome of forbidden magics is not going to write itself. <laughs> <laughs> you have a tough call there, Dale. Oh, God, I don't know. There's so much <laughs> I gotta go with Tom. Not that I think you know, edged oh, him out oh, okay. on performance, but the Thank line you. pick was too good. I know. <laughs> I don't know, Tom with, with the little sing song. No, it, no, it was a, it was a it was a hair's breadth. <laughs> I'm still. Um, I'm gonna loosely play. All right, but for judging, who hasn't judged yet? Uh, Aaron and David, I think. Yeah, yes. yeah. All right. Yeah, so they're up. David, David, David can go. All right, so. oh, Aaron. Uh, I gotta get cards. Muppets is kind Yay. of in your wheelhouse, so why don't you take this one? Yeah, you. So all right, so okay, Aaron, that was Rob. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I need another card to pass. I mean, play. Damn it! What do you mean, damn it? Killed on this one. All right, I'm gonna make it hard. I'm, I'm just gonna make this mean then. Mean? What? Nobody's been mean yet, Aaron. I don't see why. O M G. Why do you think you're gonna be mean to us? Everyone's just doing voices willy nilly now. Yeah, pretty much. Right, real fun time. <laughs> yeah. Why is everyone a Scotsman? We're well, in welcome to trying to do a romantic gnome. Ooh. 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 Oh, Caleb and I have practice with this. Oh, Mip. Oh, Mip. That's right. <laughs> oh, I miss Mip. Mip. I love Mip. We have to go back to the adventures of those characters you know, after they survive. No, they aren't. They aren't adventuring anymore. They're tired. Adventuring oh, no. is dangerous. No. Oh, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I got Maybe the real treasure was the possible friends we could have made along the way. You know, if we hadn't killed all those goblins. What I'm saying is, we really need to let goblin. Oh, God. David the Slayer? <laughs> uh, good times. Alright. And if we all agree, it would be pretty... Be petty to leave Ferric's body and sell his plus one sword. This is a plus two sword we're talking about here. <laughs> I see the gnome, but Tom, I don't see the, the romance. I would yeah. say, Tom, how many packs a day is your gnome at these days? He's <laughs> a trucker. All right, uh, I don't have any. Good I do li- what I have to do. <laughs> I don't have any good lines, so I'm going to make this romantic gnome draconic. Do you mean dragon or like in policy? Yes, okay. in policy. <laughs> <laughs> also, <laughs> love in the gnome parliament. <laughs> um, You're gonna pass, Caleb. Caleb, you gonna read that? I'm also gonna say he's giant. 
Is it giant? Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want you to incorporate <laughs> giant gnome into the draconic. Uh, challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we thought we could distract the Lich King by making a battle of vampire queen. But darn it, if they didn't fall in love. <laughs> oh, that's no fair. You got a great line. Yeah, you did quite well there. Yeah. Crap. And you set him up. So, I'm just, I'm just saying, the right move is always pass. Yeah. See, I would, I would pass in this case because actually, now I can't let you do that. Yeah, you can I was really thinking you'd go for your Canada voice, actually. Do, uh, no, no, no. Okay, I okay. Just, um, all right. So a romantic giant draconic. How do you even work draconic the fuck with that ad He managed know. it. He, he worked okay. it in there. <laughs> Think Churchill. <sighs> Sometimes I look at the moon and wonder if the one I am to love is doing the same. Then I wonder if they are the moon, which I can totally reach, and I have to free them. It is how it must be. Love is complicated. <laughs> That's a fucking soliloquy. Oh, oh, damn it. That was that a perfect, perfect line. <laughs> line choice makes this thing. Uh, man, you're I'm right. actually going to have to give that one to Sean because that's going by the original tenant. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, I'll, I'll cross this too. Yeah, so you yeah. uh, But I can't take uh, so that. So, I want to ask a judge. Yeah, right, yeah, the, let's see the things. Give him the special cards. No, no, I guess I character understand. cards, not special cards. The special cards. Oh, yeah, just card over there. Are these today? Oh, you could so we, for this last one. We could uh, do one just based on the pictures. If you want to just the like, pictures, there's, find a picture. uh, yeah, there's find about a like five. But there's some of them that just have pictures. Yeah. Find a picture, one, David. Okay. Make it tell you a story. Oh, I need one. Yeah. Probably. All right, guys. So your challenge is to voice a famous bar patron. A famous, okay, <laughs> famous bar patron. I can't do a Norman person. A large woman shopping yeah. in the 90s. Oh, bar with one R. Hey! Yeah, I can only think of Cliff Clavin. I have no idea. So I seriously went back to Cheers for that. But, uh, yeah. Let me get a beer for this one. <laughs> Appropriate. Now, see, this is not just going to the bar where everybody knows your oh, name. These ones have everybody knows your name in any bar. And Tom Gill. See, at that point, we just do any character we want, so. <clears throat> Somebody add something to that. Feels like a four. No, all right, here we go. Be crunchy. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> That's the Plotimus, the unyielding storm of the north to you. I didn't spend seven years battling Gorfo the Unspoken to be called Mistress of Plotimus. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, I'm gonna add cowardly to that. A famous cowardly bar patron. <laughs> oh. Ah, shit. Caleb, what are you Take adding? that! He's passing. What? Take that, mom talk! Let's <laughs> say <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's also squeaky. <laughs> Which goes fairly well into the cowardly. Squeaky, squeaky cowardly. cowardly. Yeah, we I know. Squeaky squeaky anyway. bars, though. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a softball. I threw it up there. But, you know, I always go fast. I guess I Alright. Now, don't ask me why, but a single tiny spider in the outhouse at night is 
still more terrifying than the. Hold on. It's still more terrifying than the highest level salmon uh, spider swarm. It's just common sense, really. How you doing with that? Okay. <laughs> you you win. Well, you know we still got two I, competitors. Well, about that. Um, I've gotten it twice, so um, I'm just gonna be a dick to Aaron. Yeah. Oh no. Yes. Yeah. yeah! Yes! This is perfect! He's now a weeping, squeaky, <laughs> cowardly, famous person. Oh, I wish I had that. I could have I given that, <laughs> that a better liner. That would have been great for your life. I know! Uh, I'll do another liner. <laughs> you bastards forced this out of me. Do oh, it. yes! Do it. So, I, I better wait until everybody's sitting. Oh, there's a good one. Nice. Still in the role. You're stuck in the role. Yeah. <laughs> Character research. Did you want something? Here, please. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of jumping up and down like an excited puppy. You know? Anyways, yeah, no, Aaron just said it. Go ahead. It's not going to get better. Okay. around my I know you said bad, but it sounded like something else. <laughs> Meet one. He's a bar patron, like. <laughs> I know. I won't do it, shit. I won't now. Little Madre. Little Madre! Like, oh god, it's a third world hellhole. Oh my okay. god. Aaron, I dare you to play a character in the next fantasy game done, that we ever do with that, that voice the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. Even for character. Are you trying to get the rules for judging? There's like three pages of rules. Yeah, there's a matrix. There's a large rubric. It's, it's like, like figure skating. It's like Phoenix um, Command. <laughs> you, you need to purchase a console. Well, there's there's probably a chart. the Kickstarter. Maybe they'll improve. <laughs> a chart with percentile no, tables. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it uses D30s. Who uses D30s? <laughs> I forgot those even existed. They, they? I blocked them out. There's yeah, D7s and D11s as well. And D16s. There's, I own a game that uses all of those. They're very nice. Actually, Faust, there's a D2. It's called it's a, a coin. coin. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to spoil that right away. <laughs> it's incredibly obvious. It's yeah. not, you're not exactly the Sphinx there. Emma. No. Are you trying to split the cards? No, that's not what I'm thinking. Uh, Tom had a softball with just a famous bar patron. Oh, you're talking about... Yeah, well, Tom, yeah. can you say your line again with all of those? Oh, he gets a redo? Oh, I want to weep. Yeah. <laughs> wait, this great. wait if we're going back around again, then we're adding. Can I repass? <laughs> yeah, same. Don't repass. No. Damn it! This game not. is broken! <laughs> I don't think he gets a repass. You he, he just have to deal with it. I just gotta deal with it. Yeah, you just gotta deal with it. So, David, you have to make a choice. Oh. Clearly, it's me. <laughs> well. Tom actually did his better with what was on it at the time. That's why Squeaky, Cowardly, and Weeping, I want to hear him do it again just to see if it stacks up to Ross. It's in the rules. It's totally in the rules. Do it. <laughs> I know. It's the last one. It's not in there, but... Ah, well. <laughs> All right, fine, Tom. Write it in Tom there. wins. No, Tom has to do it again. Oh, or we're going off book now? I guess. We're house ruling the we're game that yet to exist. I don't know, man. It's no. not officially published, man. This is technically a baby. <laughs> we are, we are playtesting <laughs> alternative rules. Oh, well, here it is. Tie breaking. If oh. you get stuck, tell the group who your top choices are. Ross, Tom. 
Either of the chosen players may up the ante and immediately perform for the resulting character using the same phrase they used during the rap. <clears throat> so, that's what I'm saying. My choices are between you two. Okay. Does somebody want to up the ante, or are you just going to re-perform with what's on there? And that's both of us. Either of the chosen the players may. Uh, Either of the chosen players. All right, so, uh, yeah. I like this mechanic. <laughs> Okay, yeah, we forgot to put that in there. Uh, Alright, I'll add in Scatterbrain. Scatterbrain? Alright. So. A scatterbrained, weeping, squeaky, cowardly, famous bar patron. And you gotta use the same phrase you already picked. Yeah. Are you adding? Tom, you wanna add to the ante? Yes. Mm. Saw him off of the knees. Dude, Do it. It's like poker, where you can I like guess. re-raise. I guess. Yeah. I'm all in. Princely. Prince. Princely. Every adjective. This guy's a wreck. This guy's had a tough life. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, he's on his way out. All right. Explain why he's famous, though. <laughs> all right. All right. Here we go. All right. Like. 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 That is a platomistic. Like the. Unyielding storm of the Lord <laughs> to you. I didn't spend seven years. Gorthogian, to be called Mr. Zaplatimus. <laughs> Okay, so I will give you that you did all of the adjectives. <laughs> they didn't say they had to be done all at the same time, now did they? <laughs> okay, alright, I will give him this. A person who changes personality every two seconds could certainly Nails. be described as scatterbrain. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> alright, Ross, let's hear you. And just so you know, this is what you're working with. Princely, scatterbrained, weeping, squeaky, cowardly, famous bar paper. Here's in a half shell. Turtle pie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't speak, ask why. But it's go Tiny Spider House. Uh, tiny Spider in the auto is not the other way around. What was it? And I, it's still more terrifying than the highest level. Someone. <laughs> uh, what's going on? Oh, God, it's more so terrifying than the highest level. Someone Spider. Sorry, don't give me more beer, you servants. No ad living. <laughs> I think all of us are fun. Gotta give it to Ross. He managed to hit most of them at the same time and threw in that last little princely stinger. <laughs> Alright, so I think that's the There's a reason why we had to do that last bit. Uh, so NPC card. Noisy person cards. Uh, it should be on Kickstarter by the time you listen to this. Uh, it's good fun. It's good it's fun. fun. It'll be more fun with real cards than I yeah, paper. cut out at one in the morning. Alright, bye. Talk you later. Bye.